You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. You know, Mary, there's a couple people back in the news that I just never get enough of. Uh, one is attorney Sidney Powell, but along with her, we'll get back to her. Uh, the one really on my mind is Lincoln Lynn Wood. And uh, Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell and some other attorneys were in Michigan yesterday uh, in front of a court where I think they spent like six hours with a judge grilling them on what they had put into some of their filings that apparently weren't always real truthful. And that was making the judge kind of crazy. And so these <laughs> these two judges, and I just want to mention Linwood, and I really want to get your opinion on this. Linwood, uh, interesting guy. He was a personal injury lawyer. Uh, and in particular, he specialized in trying to catch medical malpractice uh, suits. Uh, sorry if I have a bias, but this is all feeling a little bit like bottom feeding to me. Uh, you may have different <laughs> thoughts. And then he got involved defending uh, Richard Jewell, who was falsely accused of being uh, the Atlanta Olympics uh, bobber. After that, Lynn kind of caught a taste of what it meant to be a celebrity lawyer. So he started getting anti-defamation or defamation suits, not anti, uh, for like John Benet Ramsey's family, those those kind of things, and ended up as everybody who wants to be covered with a little bit of poop does, uh, defending Donald Trump. I don't think he was ever actually employed as a lawyer. Uh, he just kind of grouped on together. And it turns out, and here's maybe where you can help us uh, understand better, that the courts do not like lawyers making stuff up. Is, <laughs> is that fair? That would be one way to describe it. And my, my understanding of how that all got started yesterday is that... Um, I don't know if it was the Michigan AG or who exactly, but filed with the court what's called a Rule 11. So what Rule 11 is under the federal rules of civil procedure, and the states have these too, but the one that lawyers are terrified of is a federal Rule 11. It's um, an action for sanctions against a lawyer who fall, files false pleadings either lies in the pleadings or presents evidence to the court that they know is false or, or didn't investigate to find out whether it was false or not. So in this particular case, the way I understand it is that um, Lynn and Sid, Sid and Lynn had uh, filed affidavits, affidavits with a demonstrably false uh, and that's what the judge was all torqued off about. And courts really, really hate um, lawyers who do that. And it's so funny, as this has gone along, and I don't know if we've talked about it on Sibling Talk, but I know you and I have talked about it. I cannot 
blurs have done as a lawyer. It would terrify me <laughs> to go before a judge, particularly a federal judge, and just be making stuff up or presenting stuff that I saw on Facebook without having verified that myself. So I wasn't surprised when Giuliani was um, suspended from the practice of law in the state of New York. And I just wondered when that was going to happen to these other bozos. So I think the beginning of that is, is what we were witnessing. But I also understand, this is just from the reporting, that the judge just had a field day. I mean, you never want a federal judge to call your pleadings fantastical. Not a nice word. So she wasn't like saying, wow, this is amazing legal work. I think this is fantastic. That's no. not the context to it. No, I think it's more like fantastical, meaning you made this stuff up. And, you know, people need to understand that the penalties for um, a Rule 11 violation can be steep. And I think this is why I think that the thing was brought by the attorney general and maybe the district attorney from Wayne County, which is where Detroit sits, is because they were asking for their legal fees to be paid. And so the court can order a, a lawyer to pay the other side's legal fees for other kinds of financial sac sanctions and to refer that lawyer to the state which from which they got their license, so the bar that they belong to um, for discipline up to disbarment. So it's pretty serious stuff. And that's why I say, you know, all lawyers are terrified of a Rule 11. And it's not like a casual thing. If you're working on pleadings, and I really don't litigate now, but when I did, it'd be like, okay, did you verify? Have you talked to them? Any risk of a Rule 11? So it's part of the normal parlance of lawyers, Rule 11 is. Well, but I think it was Lynn Wood, uh, as I read the reporting, who said, oh, I I didn't really read that. I, I don't quite know how my name got got on that. If I'm hearing you right, that doesn't make a lot of sense. A lawyer who signed a pleading would know what's in it. Absolutely. I mean, unless you're just absolutely you know, asleep or incompetent, and he may be both, you would never sign pleadings that you haven't reviewed. You know, sometimes what happens is you're not the actual preparer. You have an associate who writes the pleadings, who works on the affidavits, but you don't sign the pleadings until you go over it. What's the basis of this? What did you do to find this out? Did you actually talk to these people sometimes? I mean, I have one thing I'm working on right now where I said to the associate, um, I need to talk to that witness myself. You know what I mean? Because you just kind of want to get your own brain on the information that's being presented. So that's not something a court is going to accept because when you sign pleadings, that you're signing that you, um, you know, attest to what's being presented to the court. So it's a very serious thing. and um, But the fact that it took a six-hour hearing, 
Wow, would I love to be a fly on the wall for that. That must have been hilarious. But at the end of it, the way my I understand it is that Sidney Powell took all responsibility. Interesting. I, You know, the thing I really wonder is how do we expect lawyers to go in and tell the truth and present truthful evidence if they have to represent Donald Trump? who is not working in a world of truth or evidence. I think they're in a real bind here, don't you? Well, yeah, but you know, you don't have to take a client. <laughs> Especially one who's not going to pay you anyway. Exactly. So I'm always amazed that he get, ends up with as many lawyers as he does. Um, but I mean, it is a problem for lawyers, but the, you know, our code of ethics requires that we do not present false information to a court. And if a, a client has lied, you know, suborn perjury, then you have to inform the court of that. So I think it's probably very difficult for them, but maybe they're the kind of lawyers who don't really care about that. For but me, you, the, go ahead. You've you made the point before, every lawyer cares about losing their license i think so i mean first of all you work very hard for it and um it's it's what allows you to make a living so i mean i'm sure there are lawyers who lose their license that continue continue to practice but that's a felony practice of law so the only way that you're authorized to practice law is if you're licensed by a state uh, to do that so I, I don't understand why these lawyers play so fast and loose with their, basically their livelihood. I think there are true believers though. Like I suspect, I don't know why I think this, but I think that Sidney Powell is a true believer. I, you know, I, I think she really believes in Trump and believes the big lie. I don't think all of them do. I never thought Giuliani did. I think he's just a mercenary. Uh, but assume you really believe it, then you might be able to sign those pleadings and say, yeah, I think this stuff is true. I just don't know. But I think the thing that's dangerous about it is writ large, the whole enterprise is con continuing to keep this big lie going. So you know, we've talked about this before where you have some percentage, a huge party that thinks that Biden didn't win. And because from where we sit and we think it's stupid, we think, wow, what effect does that have? But that is the kind of thing that undermines a democratic system. I'm reading a book right now about these refugees or immigrants, excuse me, who came from Ghana. And they're talking about the election, you know, the political system there and why they left and all that. And saying, well, you know, this guy lost, but he never left because he said the election wasn't fair. And then, you know what I mean? And we're like, oh, that's terrible. That's not a democracy. But it's not different than what's happening here, where you have a certain percentage of the population that does not believe your president is legitimate. And, you know, you're how many steps away, many steps away from Haiti, but maybe not many steps away from a country like Turkey. Well, you're absolutely right. And this past weekend, uh, Donald Trump went to CPAC, the conservative uh, uh, gathering, 
and continued to stand up and preach his uh, his mythology about this. And I thought was what was interesting to me is the other big narrative uh, besides the fact that Trump thinks his ele- the election was stolen from him was don't take the vaccination, folks. It's a conspiracy of the federal government to get you. Okay, that kind of stupid, despite all the evidence that's that's going on, despite the fact that people are dying because of this anti-vax uh, narrative, is the perfect partner to Trump's constant narrative, despite the fact that democracy is dying. They're okay with with all of that. And I have to admit, I have thought long and hard about what it is that is driving them for this. What what are they getting out of out of this? And despite my best efforts, I don't know. I cannot figure it out. Uh, why the Republican Party continue? Even if you still want to support Donald Trump and you want him to be reelected uh, president, why continuing? to put yourself in the position where a federal judge has to call you fantastical. I don't get it. Well, John, I think, um, you know, stepping back and looking at it like a political scientist, it has to be all about power. And they've made some calculation consciously or subconsciously that by keeping us off balance as a system, fear and distrust in the ruling class will allow them to stay in power despite their minority status so that you can you'll keep your group of people really really committed to getting out there voting and accepting rules um, stories fantastical lies that um, undermine the other side. Because if politics is ultimately a game of power, this too is a game of power. So we don't have too much time to talk about it today, but we can't what's happening in Texas. Although Texas ran a very fair election and the the rules that were put in place um, during the pandemic, like drive-through voting, all those things that actually were great. They're trying to do away with those things because you need to stay in power at all costs, including if the um, the the system itself. So I just want to like finish this thought though by saying the one institution since Trump was elected will the institutions hold, and the one institution that has held so far is the courts, including Trump appointees. So when all the other two branches, or at least one branch, is sucked up by these divisions, the courts can hold, they may be able to get us through the fever. That's a thought. Maybe, because there's incredible things out there. I, we will conclude. There, My favorite quote of the day came from Governor Abbott of Texas, talking about why drive-through uh, voting was a problem. And he said, we have no way of knowing. I wish I was making this up. We have no way of knowing whether the person who comes in to vote has a foreign agent in the backseat of the car 
who is directing them of who to vote for. <laughs> it makes me think of that song from when we were kids, Secret Agent Man. Agent Man, Secret <laughs> Agent Man. That's probably it. They would have, there would be fewer demonstrations in Cuba right now if all of the Cuban foreign agents weren't over here uh, sitting in the backseat of, of cars of people who are going to vote. That's what we <laughs> Awesome. Right. Bye. Talk. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.